Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And today we're continuing our best horror movies for Halloween vibes, watching one of Kelly's picks, Ringu. Also, the nominations for the Discover Pods Awards are still open, closing on October 22nd, 2019. Head to awards.discoverpods.com slash nominations and nominate Drinking and Screaming for whatever category you think we fall into. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this cocktail to be both simple and traditional. I also heard that there's a podcast episode out there that if you listen to it, you will die in one week. And it's Seven this one. Days. Yeah, you're already dead. That's the ring one. And the only... Yeah, true. She doesn't say seven days in Ringu. She says... One week. One week. Also, the only way to uh, survive listening to this podcast is to make another friend listen to That's true. That's some good marketing. (laughs) So you got to make a friend listen to this or we'll kill you. Great. And we got your download locations from our analytics so we can find you. Pinecast gives us all <laughs> your details. It's really a serial killer's dream. They should <laughs> the podcast to make a murderer should just be in reference to the fact that the hosts are gonna kill you. Because mm-hmm. they know where you are and when your listening times are. Every second. Anyways, I made this drink. He did. Kelly, what is this drink called? <laughs> I don't want to tell you. You hate it. Say it. Uh, it's called well water. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Kelly was telling me this last night when he decided what it was going to be. And there's a scene in this movie where they go down into the well to go through the depths of basically human sludge. Yeah, just a, just a big mess, a to, big soup mess. To find a dead body. So now that's what we're drinking. I mean, the drink doesn't really have anything to do with the well, other than the fact that I liked the name of it, so I named it that. I think it's a good idea. So I don't know why, but I really got this feeling that I wanted to make something that was personal to the people that make it. Uh, So I made something that has a lot of components that you can kind of just interchange depending on how you feel and your personal preference and stuff like that. I do feel like mine is different than yours. Yeah, just a little bit. So the base of this, it's a coffee drink. And your first step is to basically make a coffee that is to your liking. As much cream or sugar as you want or any sort of flavoring. Mm. Uh, Maybe not flavoring, just sweetener and shit. And then it is equal parts sake and whiskey. I wanted to... Wait, equal parts to the coffee? Yeah, sure. No. (laughs) I was like, whoa. (laughs) Equal parts of whiskey and, and sake. And like, if you can get Japanese whiskey, do that because it is both rare and extraordinarily expensive now. Is it delicious? Um, yeah, J- Japanese whiskey is awesome, but I can't remember what it is if there's like an embargo or production of whiskey in Japan is halted or something like that, but it used to be like 50 bucks for a good quality whiskey in Japan and now like it's 150. So, Jeez. So if you got a bottle of Japanese whiskey, throw it in your podcast recommended drink of choice. <laughs> And then, again, just choose any sake that you like. So basically, every component of this is just, you know, whatever whatever suits you. Yeah, we do that's a, cool. We do a lot of, like, recommended liquors and stuff like that that are sometimes expensive. And I just wanted people to be able to make something that I think is very smooth and enjoyable. I'm liking it, yeah. I don't taste too much of the alcohol in it. It's a nice, boozy coffee. Mm, see, I- 
think it's good. You think that, but I think that the the sake actually cuts a lot of the bitterness of the coffee. So the reason that you don't taste a lot of the liquor is because it it complements the bitterness of the coffee really well and just makes like a a real well water soup for you to drink. (laughs) 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 Additionally, I wanted to combine something that was uh, very traditional, which is sake, which has basically been around since the invention of time. Yep. They were like, hey, we have a clock. Let's, also, do, sh- let's do shots to celebrate. <laughs> and something less traditional, which is coffee, because I found out that coffee wasn't really a huge thing in Japan until about the 70s. Okay. So it was about like 28 years, and then the ring came out. Uh, huh. So, yeah, it has a lot of depth to it. Interesting. You put some thought into this. I did. I'm proud of you. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I tried to make it with tea and it tasted disgusting. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the biggest tea fan, unless it's like a lemony tea, so I'm glad. I did consider mixing it with your lemon ginger tea, but I think that I would have not drank that. That's fair. But I'm glad that I made a good coffee drink that uh, we all enjoy. And it's just just really simple. It's nice to sit down on a Halloween night and, and snuggle up and watch a classic horror movie and have a nice coffee to keep you alert and on edge. We actually haven't really spoken that much about the movie, which is that it is, is the inspiration of the, how would I say that? It's the cre... It's the pregenitor to the American version. The yeah. Americans sure do love ripping things off. They love stealing things. And giving it a really hard early aughts edge to it. Hell yeah. Green filters and gore. But this is the real thing. This is the real deal. Yeah, this is the, uh, the Japanese movie of Ringu, which is... Technically, ring. It is just ring, but the way that Japanese is written, you can't just have a, uh, you have to have either a vowel or an N sound at the end of a word. So based on writing ring in hiragana, it's pronounced, or katakana, it's pronounced ringu. Ah. Yeah. That's cool. I took three years of Japanese, so I'm going to sound real pretentious in this episode. Woohoo! Hell yeah. I don't know anything about Japan. I was, I was about to say Japanese, and I was like, that's not a sentence. Don't know anything about the n- glorious Nippon. No. No. But uh, yeah, so it's the word ring, but it's ringu because it's how you would pronounce it after writing it in katakana. Cool. Yeah. Go do you again. want Do you want to tell me about this movie? I always pers- do, but you do you want to do it? No, you read the copy. Okay. I don't read copy. That's not my job. <laughs> I say smart things about intelligent stuff. Oh, I should say, apologies in advance if I'm a little uh, out of sorts this episode, because I've been working at Fright Nights in Vancouver. (laughs) You want to come stalk me in real life, I'll really be stalking you as a spooky ghost at Fright Nights. You should tell them to go to a different house. So that they try to stalk somebody else there. Yeah, I'm in the bloodshed. Yeah. Definitely not where the ghosts are, but that's fine. But yeah, so we've been staying up very, very late to be spooking all the guests. So now I'm a bit tired. But we still got to do this podcast because it's our heart and soul. So this week we watched Ringu, which premiered January 31st, 1998. It's directed by Hideo Nakata, written by Hiroshi Takahashi, and based on the novel by Koji Suzuki. Are we ready for this lovely synopsis? We are. This one's kind of an amalgamation of different parts of the same synopsis because the synopsis was just the rundown of the entire movie. Ah, so we did some editing here. Yeah. But you got it from IMDb? I did. Alrighty. Raiko Asakawa is researching into a cursed video interviewing teenagers about it. When her niece Tomoko and her friends die of sudden heart failure with an unnaturally horrified expression on their face, Raiko gets... 
Is it Raiko or Rico? Uh, Raiko. Raiko. That sounds better. Damn, I fucked up the beginning. Whatever. It's fine. Continuing. Reiko goes to the cabin where the teens had stayed and finds an unlabeled videotape. Reiko watched the tape to discover, to her horror, it is in fact the cursed videotape. Reiko? Yeah. One of those is right. I'm really sorry. It's not like the American version where they're like, Samantha. Oh, this is Tom (laughs) and the villain Samara. Yeah. Anyways, so I also, I couldn't find a trailer that had anything in it. I had found a bunch of them that were just quiet and like had a little bit of backing track to it. But I did find a very, very bad American trailer of what I think was after the release of The Ring. They probably re-released this movie in America. Oh, to make more money, yeah. So it's like stereotypical American trailer. Oh, God. And then I'll put like a more um, actual audio from the Japanese trailer that I found. See, Anyways. You're going to splice them? Um, I don't know. We'll see. Only the people at home will know. <laughs> Ring you. Coming to video and DVD March 4th, 2003. <laughs> they got the guy from the, you wouldn't download a car. Yeah. Basically, oh man, that was pretty bad. That was the really bad American one. I think we got to do them. We got to listen to both for the audience. Yeah, and then here's the what I think is the official Japanese trailer. So what do you think? Oh. You think I could splice in the audio of that one? I see. Now that I've heard this other <laughs> one, there is literally nothing. It's just very pacing with the occasional like stinger of either the like screeching sound from the call or like people gasping. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see what but I that do. That is interesting. It does give away though one of the big deaths in the film though. That's true. But I mean like what horror movie trailer doesn't at this point? I guess that's true. I also am not 100% too sure if that's the official trailer. I'm not even 100% sure if trailers play in Japan. Ah. So like I'm very ignorant when it comes to this. Yeah, like if you go to a movie the- I've never been to a movie theater in Japan, so I don't know what the the preamble is. Yeah, the custom is. I highly doubt that it's also commercials of attractive couples driving their car across the beaches telling you that this is how you should live your life. Well, you never know. But I never know. So <laughs> I think the fact that I couldn't find a decent trailer from, that was like officially from Japan means yeah. that I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't exist. <laughs> this movie was released on VHS and then handed to people on the street. Which would be a very good marketing ploy. That's true. I feel like you wouldn't make any money, though. <laughs> also true. Unless at the beginning of the movie, it's like, hey, this is where you can officially go see this movie. ready for some thoughts i am ready for your thoughts all right so first things first i had seen the american version of this film a while ago and i didn't watch it again before seeing ringu with you for the podcast but what i gather from it it does seem like they did a really good job of working with the original of ringu to make the american ring oh yeah the story was basically the same uh the pacing and stuff was really very similar and it had like the same stakes and stuff like that yeah but again it's been like a while since i saw the american ring so 
take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. But I did some research looking into this uh, a bit. I didn't want to go too deep into my dive because I still want to be able to see the American ring again and have my own original thoughts. It's fair. But um, I found a master's thesis on film uh, writings by Matthew Ducca. And his thesis was Lost in Translation, Regressive Femininity in American J-Horror Remakes. And he basically makes a point in it that can say what I want to say, but in better words. So I figured, "Eh, I'm just going to read an excerpt of this. Yeah, because this was more or less your point almost... Not even after the film, like during the film, you brought this up. So I'm glad that you found someone that like did their entire thesis paper on this subject. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes, the opening shots of the ring are nearly identical to Ringu's, but there are immediate key differences that produce an entirely different reading of the film's opening and its treatment of the female characters. The two girls, Katie and Becca, still discuss the cursed tape in the presence of a television, but in the American version, the camera is in the television. The camera frames both girls from the front in a medium shot as the girls look toward the camera slash television and then slowly begins to zoom in toward them. This reversal of Ringu's opening shot no longer situates the audience within a position of identification with the girls because they do not occupy the same vantage point as inevitable victims. Instead of being seated in front of the television as potential victims, like the girls in Ringu, the camera in the ring allows the audience to occupy the space of the television, thus becoming the conduit through which the on... Ooh, that's a weird word. <laughs> the onryu will emerge? Onryu. Is that supposed to be... Is that like a, a demon? Yeah, it's the type of demon that uh, Sadako is. Oh, I was like, is this a typo? <laughs> it's the, it's the like, hate demon that is in the ring and the grudge. Right. Okay, so thus becoming the conduit through which the onryu will emerge to kill. Identification with the killer rather than with the victims is a staple of the American horror genre and one that breeds a voyeuristic intent on the part of the audience to watch the characters die while sympathizing with none. Huh, that is really interesting. So it's like the idea that the Japanese one let you identify with the girls who were like having a fun sleepover and stuff and like yeah. and fear what was going to happen to them whereas like in the ring you're like I can't wait to fucking kill Becca and her friends. Which happens in like I'm so glad that this person that Matthew Ducca wrote about this because it's Something that happens in like all American horror. You're always like a maniac. You're like the killer literally the whole time. The opening of uh, Halloween, you're Michael Myers. All of Friday the 13th. Yeah, you always only see the hands of the killer because you are the killer. Even the titular scene of Psycho. Yeah. You're the hand stabbing. That's interesting. It would be cool to go back to even the movies that we've watched on this show and figure out like how frequently you are taking on the point of view of the killer. Yes. Um, It's interesting to for that point of the fact that the original Ringu was more in the viewpoint of females and like focusing on female uh, characters and the way they were feeling rather than the ring, which puts you in more of like the killer, which I guess is still a woman. Yeah. I mean, like the first half of Ringu is like, seems like very feminist. Like the main character is is a woman who's like actively going out and searching for things. All the supporting cast members are male. Like she offhandedly asks her like- uh, Assistants to do things for yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. She's, yes. She's like taking care of her kid and stuff. I mean, is this a point you have coming up? Yes. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> I'll jump ahead to that point though, because 
That's what I said. My opening line for it is, okay, I'm sorry, but this movie is like the antithesis of feminism because it starts off with the reporter who's such a strong-ass mother and investigator, and she's like a power woman that's doing all this shit all by herself, and she's like really digging into the story. And then her like ex is a giant dick who doesn't even believe her, and he doesn't even know his own son, but then as soon as she needs help, she goes to her ex, which is like fine. Sometimes we need help. Even yeah. strong women need help, and that's okay. Uh, unfortunately we had to go to a man this time <laughs> but then when she does then she like her whole character just crumbles yeah she kind of like devolves into like oh my god I'm gonna die you need to help me I'm so powerless yeah. <laughs> um, and like she still has like the drive to like I have to save my son uh, and obviously she wants to save herself too but when her son watches the video it like really drives the stakes high yeah but like oh I just hate the way that her character devolved in like to becoming a complete nincompoop I wonder if like I mean it probably isn't because I imagine this wasn't the point of it but like the professor slash her ex becomes like the the protector becomes like the main the main hero that's gonna defeat yeah, Sadako's sure. curse and like she becomes, she takes a back seat, but then like he dies. Like the, he's the one that becomes the weaker one because he's dead. And then she has to like retake the wheel by like figuring out how her curse wasn't activated. Yes. And it, she was the one that did something that he didn't. Like she saved herself in the end because yeah. she's, she didn't even need him at all. She was already saved. She's even the one that like embraced Sadako's skull in the well, which is like, that's a baller move. Hell yeah. I because wouldn't do she that. Was, she was a woman, or not a woman, well, she is a woman, but she's a mother. Like, yeah. she had that maternal, empathetic instinct, which was really nice to see. And I honestly forgot about the trope of, like, not trope, but the thing that they have to copy the tape and make other people watch it to survive. Yeah, I didn't know about that at all. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a point of mind, but yeah, it's weird that I didn't know that at all, considering what you said about this movie in the last episode of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would have to think about it more, but it almost feels like not not the hero's journey, but like a three act structure of like strong and then faced with something that she doesn't know anything about, which is like the psychic powers and stuff like yeah. that. And then the person that did know about the psychic powers fails, and then she goes back to something she's comfortable with, with which is like the copying of the tapes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like technology and intuition and stuff was her powerhouse. The the like spirituality and stuff like that was not her powerhouse, but it was so, it was just unfortunate that that was portrayed in like, I'm so weak, help me. Yeah. And like, just to finish off my point, the way that her partner, ex partner, mm -hmm. handles her in this film <laughs> yeah. is fucking awful. So bad. Holy crap. There's so many moments where he just like grabs her and like makes her do things with her own body or without... literally slaps her. And like without saying anything to her, like there's the moment when the, near the end of the movie, they're like digging in the well or whatever. And he just like takes he's he wants to like put his hands on the top of the well and like feel the presence of the well. But he needs her help. But instead of being like, yo, let's feel the presence of the well. He just finally he just fucking grabs her hands and places them where he wants them. And doesn't say what's going on. Yeah. Or like when they're on the boat and she had like just had her like arm burned by the ghost in the previous scene. He like wants to like lovingly look at it. But instead he just like grabs it and like pulls it towards himself. Yeah. Like it's a fucking doll arm. Definitely reflective of a lot of uh, like traditional Japanese relationships. Blech. And again, it's unfortunate that she was framed as such like a strong 
character in the beginning, but then like immediately devolves. Yeah. The moment that there's a strong man that can protect her. Yeah. So then my last line of this point is, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you mentioned earlier, like that she did save herself and like she then goes on to like not really need him because all of his thoughts and like tactics weren't the thing that saved her. So, yeah. Ha! It's kind of like the end of um, A Quiet Place. Where it's like, hey, we've discovered the cure, or we've discovered yeah. the solution. Let's take our VHS tape and go save the world, I guess. Um, and then something that's kind of like the opposite of my previous point about how this is the movie that is the antithesis of feminism is that I do appreciate Sadako's spirit actually fighting the patriarchy quite mm. a bit. She's a badass. <laughs> okay, seeing the flashback of her mom doing the ESP like proving show and how quickly the male reporters all turn on the mother and then she just like flat out murders a man. She's like, don't you dare talk bad about my mama. Bam, you're dead. I love that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and and then takes- the doctor's like, oh, heck. Oh no, Sadako, what'd you do? And she tells take any shit even after she's murdered by her own father she wants everyone to know what an awful person he is so she just like wants to spread her tape yeah everywhere and that was really cool so it's interesting how it kind of shows both sides of feminism which i guess is kind of the point point. Mm-hmm. and i love the trope of like too angry to to die basically like yeah like i have been wronged you guys are gonna have to deal with me forever, forever. <laughs> yes i'm actually Maybe this movie, I think I'm wrong when I first said that this movie is like anti-feminism. I mean, you found someone who did a thesis paper on it. I guess that's true. But now the more that I'm discussing it live, it's more that they were showing that her husband was like an asshole. Oh, by reflecting her attitude around him. Yeah. And then like she didn't need him in the end anyway. So I think this movie is more feminist. Maybe that's why they divorced and like... Because, yeah, they did. She left him. Yeah. And it's kind of how like people start acting how they did around people when they start hanging out with them again? Yes. Like you revert to your you revert back to your sister when you start hanging out with her. <laughs> what do you mean? You guys have like the same mannerisms and stuff, which I think is cute. <laughs> but uh like if you I'm sure if I hung out with like old friends of mine, I would start acting the same way. Yeah. And like maybe she didn't like herself when she was around her ex, so that's why they got divorced. Also, he apparently fucks his students, so that's probably a bad bad guy oh, to stick around. Oh god, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere it's introduced that he's her ex by like a student walking in. I mean, like, oh, this is my ex-wife. Hey, this is a student. It's like she obviously stays this here. This is with a you. student I that know, just wandered yeah. into my home. She has my keys. Yeah, yeah. Mm, a student. We're gonna be tutoring with my dick. <laughs> also, it's like, what is? What was he? he? Was like a history professor or something like that. There was mathematics on the yeah, wall. which was weird. He was doing like advanced calculus, but he's like. Supposed to be a history professor, I think. I don't know. I didn't care enough about his character to bother putting in any thought of what he actually did. I mean, it would stand a reason that he's a history professor if, like, his entire persona is being able to see the past and stuff like that. Also, I have a question, which wasn't one of my points, but did we ever find out who those feet were when he was like, was it you? No, which is those weird. white shoes. He was, like, sitting in a public, like, road on a bench or something, and then he was like thinking about ghosts and stuff. And we see, we know at this point that he has a connection with the other realm, a, a little connection. Yeah. And then we see these feet approach him and it's like a ghost's feet, I guess. But is it really ghost feet or not? And like, who is it? It was either him getting like a premonition of Sadako and being like, are you the one I'm supposed to be looking for or something like mm. that? But he did, s- it might've just been lost in translation or something, but it kind of sounded like he knew who it was and yeah. had been like, 
dealing with this person before. That's what I thought. Maybe it was a holdover from the novel or something like that. Could be. Yeah. And then my last point, it has less impact because it was really like my second point. We skipped it because we were in the feminism talk. In the feminine zone. So now this doesn't, uh, it definitely falls a bit flat. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. I really admire the film's pacing and the opening scene is a great singular moment of the story, of any story. It's just like a really good tale like the two girls sitting and like talking while they're watching tv Mm -hmm. and the idea of her like scaring her friend and then being like oh i'm just kidding but then there's a reveal that oh she wasn't kidding she really did watch the scary movie now she's gonna die yeah that moment when her friend's like wait it's actually real isn't it and she's like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh Oh, God. That was a good reveal. Yeah, it was like really tense. It's almost like anytime we see a horror movie and find find out that it was based on a short film, like it felt like that opening scene was like the- The short film? Yeah, the Because it could be like a four minute, I think it was like four minutes long, maybe less. Mm-hmm. And it worked out really, really well. Um, I really liked it. I think it was my favorite part of the movie. Not that the rest of the movie was bad. That's fair. Which is also kind of why I chose this one for the Halloween vibes, because like the idea of like folklore and like the- urban legends and stuff like that just feels very like octobery halloween like yeah. it's it's the equivalent of like and then the man escaped from the insane asylum while you were making out with your honey <gasps> yeah i so which I, that actually reminds me i lied to you all last week when i was like kelly this is <laughs> one of kelly's favorite movies hey that's that might be my first point oh hey there we go go ahead with your uh, first point so i had never actually seen this movie before i'm a dumb dumb additionally i've never seen any of the rings before i'm an extra dumb dumb um i had just recommended this movie cuz you were like hey what's a movie that sounds very halloweeny or makes you think of halloween and like the ring ring the the ring came to mind but i had said hey fuck it let's all of the movies we were gonna do this year were like american movies so yeah I was like let's do like a or not year this Season. this year of october whatever that makes sense i'll edit it in post maybe but um <laughs> yeah they were all gonna be like american films so i was like yeah let's throw ringu in there and it'll be like it's the same idea and also i liked i really liked it and i was afraid that the ring was gonna be early aught grunge so Mm. I liked having a Japanese vibe movie in there. Yeah, so I'd never actually seen any. This was my first experience with The Ring, other than watching somebody play the shitty game that came out a while ago. Yeah. When she figured out the copy thing to, like, get the curse off. Yep. You were like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's, a, that's what she has to do? Yeah. Like, I guess that makes sense. Just, like, make, that's how you spread the... The virus, the basically. It's just like those forwarding emails yeah. of like, you'll have, well, the, the tame ones are like, you're going to have bad luck. And then other ones are like, you're going to die. Yeah, send this to five people or <laughs> you're going to fucking get murdered. Yeah. Or like, I like the ones that are like, send this to five people or your crush will never love you. <gasps> oh my God. Well, but you already do love me. That's true. Well, that means you probably forwarded some of these emails when you were younger. <laughs> Usually we take this moment to talk about our sponsors and socials, but not this week again. Instead, we're going to ask you to head to awards.discoverpods.com slash nominations and nominate Drinking and Screaming. We're looking to be nominated for Best Podcast, Best New Podcast of 2019, and Best TV Movie Podcast. You can nominate other podcasts that you think are awesome too, like Super Hopped Up for Comedy. Again, that link is awards.discoverpods.com slash nominations. Nominations close on October 22nd, 2019.
Yeah, so my first actual point about the movie is that it, like, it was a lot more pacing than I had thought it was going to be. For some reason, I thought that, like, Sadako would be on a fucking rampage oh. and that there would be, like, 20 people at a time dying because of this tape. And it was more about, like, trying to figure out how to break the curse before more people kept dying. Yeah, they really hold off that big reveal. Yeah, like, you don't see Sadako for realsies until the very end when yeah. the professor... Like, you see hints of her and little whispers and stuff like that. Yeah. But it all all the pacing really comes down to like the dread and like terror of knowing that you only have a week and desperately trying to figure out how to break it. You kind of see the her devolve over time, not just the like the feminist stuff of her like devolving into a bad representation. Yeah. But like her first interpretation is like, oh, that's interesting. This tape. I need to bring this to my editor and have him oh, I know a professor, my ex, that should watch this. I'll make a copy and like three days go by and then it's like, oh wait, this is we're running out of time. I need to like, we should go to the island and then her son watches and she's like, oh fuck, we're really running out of time. Literally I, down to the last moment of like dragging water out of a well. She's like constantly like, oh God, oh God, one hour, two hour, oh shit. Ah! And so then her husband or her ex-husband is like, oh yeah, tomorrow I'm gonna do this for you. Like yeah. we're gonna do take the next step tomorrow. I'm like, she doesn't have time, do it now. It, like, it makes it seem like she didn't believe it in the beginning. Like, sure, she got the call and it was kind of creepy, but it, she never really seemed anxious in the beginning. And it wasn't until, like, a few days went by that they really started to ramp up, which I really thought was cool. Because, like, the first part is just, like, a mystery kind of discovering the clues and, like, introducing you to the characters and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and if this happened to me, I wouldn't believe it. It would be, like, those forwarded emails. But, like, how did someone know the moment you watched that video and then calls you? Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Which is, I was going to save this if we ever watched The Ring, but I have a really cool story, so I'll use it anyways. When The Ring came out, my mom had rented it, and she watched it, obviously not with me, because I'm not an idiot, and I, I like sleeping. <laughs> um, and then she lent it to my aunt to watch, and my mom tried to time how long it would take my aunt to watch the movie, and then she wanted me to call my aunt and just whisper into the phone seven days and then hang up. And so we did that. And my aunt never said anything about it. And then the next time we met up with her, she was like, so something really weird happened. And my mom was like, tell me more. And it was like, so I was watching <laughs> the movie and I just got to the part where the first woman got the phone call. And then my phone rang and I picked it up and it was really staticky and I could hear a voice whispering in the background. And my mom was like laughing and my aunt is like, was that you? How did you make the, the phone static? And she's like, I don't know. But apparently my aunt had like held off watching the movie a little bit later. And so we managed to call her at the exact time that the phone rang. And apparently wow. our phone fucking sucked back then. So it was real staticky and scary. That's so funny. Yeah. So my aunt was just terrified. And I was sitting there. I'm like. For seven days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't get the reference. <laughs> That's a good story. You can. I'll just make sure you say it again if we do do the ring. Yeah. I'll make it more. Uh, Americanized for the the ring. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I feel like I would believe it because I believe more in ghosts. As long as they leave me fuck alone. Yeah, I don't believe in ghosts. Leave me alone. People at Fright Nights have this like thing that there are shadow people in the haunted mansion that are there all the time and like you can see feet that aren't anyone's real feet and like hear footsteps and when no one's in the house. Mm. Spooky. I have never seen them. That's how like urban legends spread. Just like somebody says it and then like people are thinking about it and then they think they see something and then they're like, it was a- that. Yeah, yeah, they like compound on it. Yeah. I'm definitely not a believer in the ghosts. 
Except for Steve. Hi, Steve. You must live a, a blessed life. I am. I just fear humans that will stab me. My other point is, without really knowing about like the history of like ESP in Japanese culture, like how it's perceived or anything like that, I thought it was super weird how chill everyone was that the professor was psychic. Oh, yeah. Like It was weird. Like he just randomly goes up to people and touches them and it's like, oh, tell me about this thing that I wouldn't know about except I saw your memories. And it's like... I thought that kind of made sense though because the only... It was like his wife knew about it, his ex-wife, who... That would that's like a deep connection. So I feel like that I would believe you eventually. Like I would have seen it over time and stuff. And then the and then older the, people knew because they were close to Sadako and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So their daughter had it. And that's fair. Then yeah. it's I still think it's weird that uh, that Reiko was so chill about it. Yeah, he's a psychic. I'll go to him. Okay. I thought maybe he was like a medium, like in the way that like, you know how mediums are. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mediums. Mediums. Not too light, not too heavy. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of cream. That was such a Kelly joke I just made. <laughs> Audience, it's are you good. proud of me? But uh, yeah, it was just like, I full on have powers. I'm a magic. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. I would like to know more about like the association of psychics in Japanese culture. I read up a little bit on it because apparently the two characters of Sadako and her mom are based on real people. Oh, they're not actually mother and daughter and they never actually went through like the torturous um, ESP uh, thing. Yeah. But they were seen as um, being SP and I believe that the mom actually did kill herself. Because oh. I think the town hated her or something like that. It was a loose trivia fact that I yeah. had read. But um, yeah, so it must exist. I imagine like in any culture, fishing villages are always fucking sketchy about that stuff. They always fear that the witches are going to curse their ships and they'll die at sea. Yeah. And then they die at sea because of natural reasons. And people are like, oh, that witch, we got to burn her now. She put a curse on us. Oof. It's not that it was stormy and none of us saw it coming because we don't have the high-tech science of meteorologists of the 20th century. I mean, even now, they suck. Yeah, but like, you look out and you see a gray sky. You're not going to go fucking out and die and then blame the witch. You're going to be like... That's what happens. I know, because people were dumb and bad. And and hate women. Yeah. That still happens today. And especially the women that tell you otherwise. This That volcano is going to erupt. Nah, you're crazy. It's smoking right now. There's ash falling from the sky. You're hysterical. Well, the town died. You're a witch. You caused that. You knew. Yeah. You knew that was going to happen. How did you know? And you told not a single soul. My final one's kind of just a joke one, but I did not appreciate the fact that she just peeled the hair off of Sadako's rotting skull. You mean in the well water that you're making us drink right now? I did actually try to think of a way to put like hair in the water. That wasn't, that was like edible hair. Oh, God, you're going to make me actually gag. No, don't say that. Oh, God. I was like, maybe if I use like black bean noodles or something like that. But ah! that's, that's not a coffee thing. And that would just be gross. I was like, maybe like shredded cinnamon or something. I don't know. But yeah, I was thinking of it. But yeah, like the whole point is that she goes down there to like um, accept Sadako and be like, you found someone that will care for you. I'm sorry that this all happened to you. And so she like grabs the hair out of the water and then lifts up her head and then just fucking peels it off of the skull. I'm like, oh, if I was Sadako, I would be pissed about that. But it's because it's not like she actually was purposefully peeling off. It's still very gross. And then they had like the basic like tears of goop fall out of the eye sockets. It was a touching moment. That was touching. But the if I was Sadako, I'd be like, please just embrace me. Do not rip off my hair. Yeah. You I, you might have solved my curse riddle, but I'm still going to fucking kill you for ripping off my hair. 
Everyone likes their bitches like their hair. Hell yeah, especially when that's like the prominent attraction of this character. Yes, very true. White robe, black hair that covers her face, and then nail beds, fingernail beds. Oh, that was so gross. They did a really good job on those prosthetics. Yeah, I I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Uh, I think <laughs> I think you might have told it during this midsummer episode, but let's say it again. So well, I look away. I was young at the time, watching uh, some television with my family, and I'm eating these lovely pistachios, as one does. I'm cracking them with my thumbnails, and then I look down after cracking one, and my entire thumbnail is gone. And then I feel the pain. Oh no! And it was like. A white, not like a pinkish raisin. Like it's so, your under your nails is so wrinkly uh, and gross. <laughs> and it really, really hurt. I hate it. And so I empathized when I saw Sadako crawling without any fingernails. Uh, she did not lose hers by opening pistachios, though. That was from trying to escape the well that her father put her in. Apparently, the curse comes from the fact that it took her seven days to die in that well. Ah, yeah, because she's crawl. She's trying to crawl out of the well for seven days, and then wow, dies. that's so sad. Yeah, Ugh. which like, <laughs> can we can we quickly talk about the funniest scene in this movie when the professor or the the doctor of Sadako knocks her on the back of the head, and they use just like the most comical like flack Boom. sound. Sound, yes, that's true. It was in the trailer of the American one, I believe. I didn't find it funny though. Flack. I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out, and I was like, oh yeah, that did seem a bit out of place. Whack. But also, that brings up another point for me I forgot to talk about. The sound balancing was like so weird. The like footsteps were so loud. And there's this like moment where there's he's like biking and then he gets off his bike. So you see the bike approaching from a distance, but it's still incredibly loud as it bikes closer to you. I think that might be because our TV is set to night mode. Because a lot of movies that we watch are like, here's our dialogue down here. Big explosions. So I have the TV set to night mode, which picks up a lot of the quiet sound Maybe. and basically equalizes everything. Maybe. Or it might just be I think it was weird. a movie from 98 where their mixing was like yeah. a little bit worse. But uh, yeah, it's fair. We can only base our reviews on the version of the movies that we watch. <laughs> Scaredy facts. Yay, I'm so glad we do this oh now. God, I hate it so badly. I love it. So the, Kelly, tell the story. The history of Scaredy Facts is that every time Shar and I watch a movie, we will lie in bed and look up trivia to fall asleep to, and our podcast is no different. We end our podcast with our final thoughts, but before that, we do <laughs> trivia, and we have named that trivia section Scaredy Facts. There are still several other tri- or, uh, sections of the podcast if you want to name those. Yes, please help us. Yeah, so... Hit me with them. I have made the facts for this one. Yes, for the podcast, we usually pick the person that knows the most to do uh, the trivia, which is very ironic (laughs) that we actually made Kelly do these when he knows nothing about the trivia. It's my knowledge of the glorious Nippon. Yes, (laughs) but still, tell me, tell me, tell me. All right, so my first fact is that Sadako's movement was accomplished by filming the actress... Uh, Rie Ino walking backwards and then reversing the footage. Ah. So the very like weird movements that have now become iconic of Sadako and Samara yeah. uh, are both accomplished by having the actress walk 
backwards and then reversing it so she's walking forwards. That's cool. I believe that's used a lot. Like in the grudge, I want to say, is the one where um, the character is like crawling backwards, right? Yep. Uh, I believe that's a contortionist walking backwards and then reversing the footage. So I've even used that. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to do, fun fact about Char, I used to do uh, like after school sort of like fun classes on the weekend that were like making movies. Uh, and we made like different kinds of movies all the time. One of them was a horror movie. And we did walking backwards and then reversing the footage in nice. the final edit, which was fun. And it looked real creeps. It did. And it was also, fun fact, that's probably the most French thing I've ever done in my whole life because the two teachers were French and like half the students were French. So I was like, yeah, I'm French too. Not oh. really though. I hate brown people. Oof. <laughs> Why do you think I left fucking Quebec? Hell yeah. Uh, so second fact is the 2001 UK DVD release of Ringu uh, had a little disclaimer on the back that <laughs> it was stated that the distributor accepts no responsibility for, and I quote, any injuries or fatali- fatalities that may occur during or after the viewing of this video cassette. Which, like, was that nice. a marketing thing? Or did the UK really think that they were distributing a cursed videotape? No, it's got to be marketing. Yeah, I don't know. you got to think that, like, real people make these things. Yeah, and but if I, we were doing it, we'd be like, ha, it'd be so funny. We should add this on the back. I feel like enough people are afraid of other cultures that, like, someone legitimately thought that they were distributing a real Japanese cursed tape. But... I the altruistic in me or the what's the opposite of pessimist optimist the optimist in me does hope that it was a marketing scheme and not a racist thing yeah <laughs> third fact the close-up of Sadako's eye that you see at the end yep. is actually a male crew member who cut off his eyelashes to look more creepy oh yeah Jeez, I would hate that that's like not permanent but almost it's like takes a while to grow eyelashes back I mean it's dedication yeah you uh yeah if you look back at it it's like really creepy it kind of makes it look like she's been soaking for a while but yeah she does not have any eyelashes and it's incredibly upsetting huh yeah and they then he he does like the weird eye movement where he's like looking down at you really stoic fact number four the title ringu actually comes from the english verb and does not refer to the symbolism of like the um, the well and the rings and stuff like that oh it actually refers to the secular nature of sadako's curse That's cool. Which I was thinking about this, and that doesn't make any sense, because it's not secular. It's entirely linear. It is, I watch it, I send it to, I videotape it and send it to someone next. I guess it's like they watch it, they send it to the next person. They watch it. Yeah, so it's like, it kind of is repeating itself. It's a two-step process. Yeah. (laughs) So I would think that secular would be like, it'll eventually come back to you, but now that I talk about it, I'm probably wrong, so it's fine. Fact number five or something. Sadako's psychic abilities are also are known as a nensha or photography, which is the English word for it. Um, and it is a form of spirit photography that enables people to burn images from their mind onto a solid surface by thinking about it, which is why anybody close to her can suffer nightmares and bad visions. Oh. This is also how she burned her image onto a videotape. Oh. Oh, that's cool. So that's the part of like when I made the drink, I wanted to incorporate like um, traditional with new is that like the curse is a thing that's been around forever. The like the angry ghost that is too angry and curses everybody has always been around. And combining that with Nensha, which is the um, 
ability to project your thoughts and wishes onto a surface combined with the fact the new technology of the videotapes she's basically like yeah using her hate magic on new technology to kill a new generation of people it's just a really cool concept that is yeah that's super interesting once you break the whole thing down it's like it's actually like a really interesting combination of a bunch of different well-known things to make something that's like modern scary. Like I wonder how many people are actually scared to watch video cassettes now. I mean, E.T., I have a video cassette at my cottage and fuck that. Shit. <laughs> Don't want to watch that one. No. No. It's also interesting because it incorporated a lot of like the glitchy effects that happen after watching VHS a long time or like recording over footage over and over again. You start to get the artifacting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a real thing that feasibly could happen i guess <laughs> in uh, this isn't one of my facts but in la- one of the later rings either the novel or the movie they actually do upload the video to the internet and the curse is distributed through like cloud computing it said heck yeah <laughs> which is more or less the plot of that shitty game where you have to go into a video game and fight the curse yeah that game is so weird. It's so Was it dis- the super best friends that played it? Yeah, and the curse represented itself through monkeys or something? Sure. You go into the computer game and have guns and fight monkeys, and that's that's, that's really the ring. That's Sadako's vision if I've ever heard of it. Heck yeah. Uh, my final fact is my favorite one. This is not actually the first adaptation of the novel Ringu. There was a TV movie called Ringu Kazenban, which means Ring Complete Edition. Okay. It is a TV movie that I watched a bit of last night. You watched a bit of it? Yeah. I just like jumped to what I figured would be like the important parts. Yeah. (laughs) My first point is that it has infinitely more nudity. Ah. Just a shit ton of nudity. There was like no nudity in this one. No, it was very um, tame. Like the couple that dies having sex in the car. Yeah. Are like. You see them? Yeah, yeah, you see, oh. you see everything. It's mosaicked in the crotchular region, but uh, yeah, she gets fully naked. Wait, they put like a blur on it? Oh yeah, That's you're not so allowed weird. to show genitals in in Japan at all. But then why show that scene? Just because you got to mosaic the genitals doesn't mean that people don't like seeing it. Also, fun extra fun fact: that's the reason there's so much tentacle porn, is because tentacles aren't technically genitals. Oh. Yep. Wait, they can't get regular porn? Uh, it's hard. Huh. Giggity. You learn something new every day. <laughs> um, other than the nudity, there's also there's like tons more. Um, it also follows the novel a lot closer, including the fact that the protagonist is a man. The relationship in uh, between the professor and the man are not romantic, and he actually has a uh, wife, I believe, in the novel. Okay. And uh, Sadako is actually intersex in both the novel and the TV movie. That's cool. I wish they included that. It is not done well. Uh, the reason that she gets murdered is because some guy was uh, confessed his love for her. They were about to bang, and he was grossed out by her genitals, and then threw her into a well and threw a bunch of rocks on her. <gasps> yep. <laughs> well, that's horrible. Uh, yeah. But then they have their revenge on everyone. Um, yep. Sadako. It's- they still are like psychic. So when he got grossed out, he was then like scared a lot. Like the psychic powers made him yeah. freak out. But like that's a that's I'm kind of glad in 1998 they had the forethought to replace that s- storyline with a creepy scientist who kills her. Um Yeah. There's I didn't again, I didn't watch all of it, but there was something about Sadako having a baby. 
which I don't know is if that's in the novel, but okay. She uh, at the end of the movie, she materializes herself to the male protagonist guy, fully naked, holding a baby mosaic. Uh, it was kind of more shadowy in the crotchular region, but the boobs were there. <gasps> boobs and, and he's like is that your baby and then it disappears and then she's like you didn't get cursed because you copied the tape so the guy didn't even figure it out Sadako had to tell him damn it it's really interesting I don't know if it's worth watching the whole thing is on YouTube with English subtitles so like if you have a desire to go watch a shitty TV movie version of Ringu with a lot of nudity and questionable plot lines then by all means feel free to <laughs> that's it. That was the end of my facts. Well, that's it. That's those are some good facts. Thank you, my love. Thanks. <laughs> are you ready for some final thoughts? Uh, sure. I think so. Mine, I think, is like I've formulated my thoughts better as we do our discussion, and I think that I agree even more with the uh, man I quoted at the beginning of my points that this movie definitely had more of a feminist side that you kind of lose in the translation of the recreation of The Ring um, in America. And I'm really glad that you chose us to watch this movie for the Halloween vibes. Good. I am too. I'm super happy. I've enjoyed researching this movie. I guess that's my final point is, I I guess this is going to happen to me a lot because I didn't watch horror movies a lot when I was a kid, but I'm going to run into a lot of instances where like, I just know what the movie's about. Like this one, I knew everything up until the fact that she didn't die because of she copied the tape. But I will say that this movie made me really interested in just like researching the movie and researching like the history of like the creature and well, not creature, but like the the hate curse basically. And I didn't realize how much it is used in Japanese movies. It's literally the same curse as The Grudge. Yeah, even down to naming it the same thing. It's basically the Japanese equivalent of a man has escaped from a insane asylum and he's now going to kill a bunch of people. It's really interesting. And mm-hmm. I had a lot more just not movie-related information that I looked up because of this movie. Uh, so I, I enjoyed that a lot more. We learned a lot. Yeah. And it is just a solid movie. Like, it's... Yeah, it was a good time. I'd watch it again. Yeah. And now... I'll... Watch it for Halloween vibes. Now we'll probably watch all fucking 11 iterations of The Ring. Woo! Like, there's... I think there's a series out now. There's several movies, both in Japan and America, the director of this movie actually went on, to, or the writer of this one, actually went on to make The Ring 2, the US one. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I imagine that one is better than The Ring 2. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's cool. I'm glad I finally watched The Ring. And as always, it was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Well, that's been Ringu, a movie about being literally too angry to die. Also, make your friends watch this or you will die in seven days. <gasps> Continuing with our best horror movies to get you in the Halloween mood, next week we'll be watching one of both of our favorites, Creep. Creep? Creep. Yes, a movie about pancakes. Yeah, Creep. Um, (laughs) I'm so excited to watch this Creep. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Bye! Bye!